Hi, and welcome to the FBCC Nature Journal, the podcast for everyone who loves nature. We're coming to you from the beautiful campus of Flathead Valley Community College at the foot of the Swan Mountain Range. I am John Fraley, longtime instructor in wildlife conservation here at the college. And I also served 40 years with Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks, so I love wildlife and everything about it. So in the Nature Journal, we focus on the critters and quirks of nature found on the campus and the wide surrounding Flathead Basin. Our producer is Colin Burkhart, who will be with me today, employee here at FECC Library. And thanks to Morgan Ray, the library director, for offering the library as our podcast home. Today we're going to be talking about the diminutive pika, the high elevation rock rabbit. It's a lagomorph, which is related to rabbits and hares. Now, what that means is they have several different kinds of waste products, and they, uh, they, they actually re-ingest some of their waste products and then ingest it after that. The scientific name for the pika is Octona princeps, and it's related to species in Himalayas and Japan. And we have our species here. So, Colin, you uh, have you ever seen a pika? Not personally, no, but uh, I, I know they look like these little guinea pig things. They're <laughs> very, uh, that's right. I've always seen them on the Nature Channel, but never, never in person. Oh, they're really neat, and I just was uh, went over a notch in the Jewel Basin and, and the other day and was listening to them. Let's see if we can get it up here. <laughs> so that's what they sound like, and it's kind of like a cheap, cheap, and they're, they they live under big boulders, so you can find them there. And so what I like to go over to Crater Notch and the Jewels because there's so many big boulders up at the top. It's it's kind of a long ways in that way. You can also go through Noisy Notch. It's the same kind of thing. They live under those boulders all year round, and they don't hibernate. And so when you have lots of space and big boulders, that's where you find them, not the small rocks. So, uh, and, and as you said, they, they sort of uh, are the size of a small guinea pig. They have little rounded ears. They're really cute. Mm-hmm. And uh, they weigh about four to six ounces. In Montana, believe it or not, they're a non-game animal. So what do you think that means? Well, you can't hunt a pika, but I honestly don't think anyone would want to hunt any of these things for any reason anyway. They're so small. Yeah, you have the, that's the perfect thing you would think. But if, since it's a non game animal and no one has passed any legislation protecting it they're actually not protected really and i don't like telling people that <laughs> it's like the hoary marmot you can go up and shoot a bunch of pikas and hoary marmots if you want to but nobody's going to do it because they're not really edible they're tiny i mean who would shoot the, one of these little cute things they're too they're too uh they're too innocent looking for that well i, I actually shot a couple of them Aww. but do you know why because i was getting trying to get a specimen for our lobby at Fish, Wildlife, and Parks and mount it. And it's a beautiful mount now with the, along with the hoary marmot. But we had to do two because the first one, <clears throat> they're so delicate, it's hard to mount them, and the taxidermist didn't do it right. So we had to go get another one. I actually had to kill two of those poor little things. And that was up in the Jewel Basin. But, yes, they're not, they're not protected. But as I mentioned, they have two types of, of feces. One of them is re-ingested like other rabbits in here. So I thought they ate grass or hay or something. They do, but the... The uh, second type of of uh, feces is re-ingested and kind of cycled through twice. But, yeah, they eat, they eat grasses. They eat 30 different plants up in the high country there. And the interesting thing about them is they make these little hay piles, which we'll talk about a little later, because they're, they're active all year around under the snow, too. So they have to have a little, uh, I guess, supplemental food up there along with just what the, the uh, plants are in, in place at the time. And so, as I said, in Montana, they're not protected. And so if people didn't, don't really know that and don't, like you said, they're so small, no one would ever pursue them anyway. But they're found throughout the Rockies. They have a very high metabolism 
uh, year-round, their body temperature is about 104 degrees. Oh, gosh, that's, so. that sounds like they would be uh, feverish, but I guess that's just the human, <laughs> yeah. uh, the human uh, temperature. Why, why do they get so warm? It's just their metabolism. They just uh, they, they process their food and move around really quickly energy. and all that energy, and they have maintained territories. They don't hibernate. They're active all winter under the snow uh, in rock piles. Wow. As, I, as I said, the plants that they cut and, and make into hay include 30 different species and they make hay piles among these rocks so if you see you know an area in a picus, just go look around under these boulders and you'll find these little hay piles that they've made now they use those as supplements it's not the retiring uh they're not uh, relying just on those but they use those as supplements over the winter so very interesting uh lifestyle and if you go watch them you can just kind of sit there if you're real quiet you'll start, first you'll see movement you see them moving around like little furtive movements and they're, they're really, uh, I don't know, you say you haven't seen one, but they're, they're really, when you see, once you see one, you know what you're looking at because they move a certain I, way. I hear these little guys are real territorial. They don't even like hanging out with each other. Is that That's true? Right. That is true. And the female has a territory, the male has a territory, and I'll, I'll get into that in a minute, uh, <laughs> talking about how violent they are in defending their territory. It's hard to imagine this little, you know, four, eight inch long or six inch long animal battling it out, but they, but they do. And... One thing to also think about is they have um, in these hay piles. They, that's kind of the center of their territory. So they center their territory around these hay piles. Like so a they make nest. Yeah, well, kind of. It's not really. They don't use it like a nest. They use it as supplemental food. But that's where they center their territories. And there's been a lot of actually quite a number of studies done on picus, and none of them hibernate during the winter. They're active all winter, and they make these hay piles. In the spring. They, they mate and they have about a 30-day gestation. So everything is fast. In 30 days, they have gestation period. They have their young. In a few months, their young are fledged or they're matured, and they're pushed out of the territory. Now, it's tough on, the, on their life, the young's life. Why do you think it's so tough on them? Oh, they get kicked out real fast, and they're real small. I don't, I don't know. It would probably be hard to get away from uh, predators I, if they were... That's exactly right. They... Um, they have a lot of predators first of all even the adults the adults obviously do but the young ones especially and they're kicked out of the prime territory i imagine it's uh birds raptors weasels martin and you know you can get oh. you can get uh very you're very small as a young as a young pike getting kicked out so your chances of survival aren't that great so there's there's a lot of turnover in the young population you might the, the female might have kick kick out three or four young and only one of them might survive yeah you know? I, I was thinking like hawks or maybe like an owl would try to take one yeah raptors Raptors oh. really get them. And then the weasels. Think the weasels, how skinny they are. They move in and out of the, like mm. we talked about weasels a few times yeah, ago. They I move imagine in, that. They move in and out of those rock uh, little tunnels, and they can grab them that way. Um, so you look for them in these talus fields, but the boulders, larger boulders, you'll find them a lot more. Why do you think that is? Uh, they'll have a whole, like, I don't know if a colony is the right word, but a whole family would probably be living in one large boulder or underneath one large boulder right they have no not really they're very territorial what, the, what oh, i guess that's true but what they know. do is they they um uh, the reason they live in those is because there's lots of space under there when the snow covers it up mm. think about small rocks I it gets see. covered up and there's no space for them to get in or move around in and the places to look for them if you want to find them is in high elevations in jewel basin glacier park the swans emissions particularly close by jewel basin if you go over noisy notch which is just a few mi- uh, miles from camp misery on the Jewel Basin Road, you'll call, you'll go over a pass where there's a bunch of the talus and boulders, and there you almost always see them there. You just just sit there and wait and just watch the boulders and 
you'll see this little blurp, you know. And actually, they're they're kind of maddening if you're trying to study them because I did a Montana Outdoors like, article. Well, yeah, but I did a Montana Outdoors article on pikers, and then I did a Montana Outdoors video report. Mm-hmm. And trying to get stable video on those little guys, they move around and move that way and move that way. Drove me crazy. I had to go to about three different places and finally got enough video. <laughs> but, yeah, they're very furtive. They're very nervous. Um, and, and as I said, they make a cheap sound. We heard that cheap, like that. And that territoriality uh, does center around hay piles. Now, I interviewed, when I did the article, I interviewed Robin Kistler-Moore, who is a researcher in Gallatin County at the Montana State. And she put tiny little radio collars on these things. <laughs> they weighed a third of an ounce. And, and How she you even get one on them? I don't know. Well, you just have to put it right, like around their neck. I mean, it's, it's hard to believe she could even do it. And she followed them year-round all through the rock piles and uh, learned a lot about them. But, yeah, she's one of the few people that's actually radio collared. And in my Montana Outdoors article, I make a, uh, quite a few points about what she found. She found, first of all, they have great, their greatest activities in the fall. Of course, the winter, they're slowing down a little bit because it's cold. Why do you think it'd be the fall be the greatest activity? Well, I mean, I know they don't hibernate, but all sorts of animals are busy in the fall just to try to get enough food to last through the winter. You, whether you hibernate or not, you got to make it through. That's perfectly right. Yep, that's exactly right. They, what they're doing is they're making those hay piles once it starts cooling off and they can feel that, you know, that uh, the winter's coming, and yeah. they make those hay piles, and they cut all those plants while they're green. They get ready to hunker down. With, they may not go to sleep, but they, they, uh, they, need, they need to stock up. Right. They have more activity than, uh, in the fall than they do in the winter, but they're not hibernating. But they, you'd be surprised how active they are. Um, and they, they never emerged above the snow in her study. Hmm. None of her pikas that were marked ever came above the surface of the snow. They stayed you under know, those boulders the entire winter. If I had to guess, I might know the reason why. Why is that? They have brown fur, right? Yeah. That might make them stand out more. That's perfectly right. And also, what else? They got uh, that high metabolism, and it's, uh, mm-hmm. they, have, they lack the, the uh, insulation. If they get up above the oh. snow surface, they, they get way too cold and would die because it would go below zero, and they still stayed active under the rocks. One of the other things she found out was uh, that the hay piles weren't all they relied on. They actually fed under there on, on um, different vegetation, too, as well as the hay piles. And so they were more of a supplemental thing. Vegetation sticks around in the winter? Yeah, underneath those, yeah, there's, yeah, like, like moss. you can have tunnels under, yeah, lichens and moss on the rock. And tunnels that go into, like, a little meadow where you can mm. still get some grasses, that kind of thing. And so what she did was when she put those radio collars on, is they're so they're so nervous. So she had to take them back to the lab and 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 uh, and she sedate actually them. had to sedate them <laughs> to put this on. And once she tells I about it, she you would with most animals, but yeah, but that little teeny animals, pika, she couldn't animals. she couldn't control them. Yeah. You think you, usually <laughs> you probably could right on site, just put them in a little cage. But anyway, and so um, when she put this one female back, she called it number two. It it reestablished her territory by. Uh, here, and here's how she described it. There was two other pikas that had taken her territory, and they're sitting on a rock near a hay pile, Moore recalls. She rushed to her rock and began a series of loud vocal threats and posturing, and then she proceeded to chase and harass the invaders out of her territory one by one. It took her an hour, but she reclaimed her territory. Oh, so while she was gone in the lab, they were trying to take over. That's right. That's right. Wow. And then another uh, researcher described an encounter on between a couple of pikas, and he said it was like the Thrilla in Manila boxing match. He said, two females tangled and chased each other for 10 minutes, including three fights with tumbling, kicking with the hind feet, boxing with the forepaws, and biting. It's hard to imagine, but 
<laughs> they're that aggressive. Their home range is usually about 500 um, uh, yards by 500 yards and, and so on. So fascinating animal. Uh, if you get a chance, um, go ahead and hike in I, to a high country somewhere. I actually have a question for yeah. you, John. Yeah. Do you know of anyone who's ever actually been able to keep one of these things as a pet who's maybe actually <laughs> managed to tame a pika? <laughs> no, I don't, and I wouldn't advise it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they look like guinea pigs, but I'm yeah. sure someone's thought of trying it. Oh, yeah, but I don't know how you'd catch one. <laughs> so. so, you know, Colin, you or any of our listeners want to see this, this critter, the shy critter, head to the high country, take binocs and a whole lot of patience because they just move around. So that's all the time we have for this episode of The Nature Journal. Thanks for joining us. I'm John Fraley, and I'll see you next time. Music